Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we hear the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Now notice how it begins. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, if you look at all four of the Gospels, they all begin in a different way. Matthew, his Gospel begins with referring to it as a book, as if it's some sort of handbook or manual for the Christian life. Luke refers to his Gospel as a narrative. Mark is more genuine. He refers to his gospel as just that, a gospel. Now, the word gospel, when translated from Greek, in which the Bible was originally written in, means good news. So, we find it very interesting from the very start. Mark begins telling us about the good news of Jesus Christ by first introducing us to John the Baptist. Now, why is that? Because John is the forerunner the one who prepares the way for Jesus Christ. Now, in the ancient world, this was a common practice and a common custom for kings to send out messengers out to towns or villages that he was going to visit, announcing his arrival, so that everyone would be properly prepared and that the king would receive a proper welcome. Remember Jesus, he does the exact same thing. Remember when he sends out the 72 disciples? He sends them out into neighboring towns and villages that he intended to visit, so as to prepare the people. In this case, to prepare their heart, their mind, their souls, their will, and and their intellect to receive Jesus as well as his teaching. See, this is what John the Baptist does for us during the season of Advent. John is our king's messenger. We must carefully listen to him and his message. So we can properly prepare our heart, our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect to receive our King into our life. See, that's why it's so important for us to listen to John. Now, many would argue we can't come to know Jesus unless we come to grips with John and his message. Therefore, the only way to understand Jesus is by understanding John first. Where is John? Well, he's in the desert, right? Well, in the Bible... A desert is a powerful, spiritually charged place. I'll give you some examples. Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, he doesn't immediately go and converse with the apostles in Jerusalem. No, he flees into the Arabian desert and remains there for three years before he makes his way to the apostles. Jesus himself, after his baptism, he flees into the desert to do battle and overcome the devil. Moses, He encounters God in the desert in the form of a burning bush on Mount Sinai. So, it begs the question, why is the desert this great spiritual place? Well, the desert is a place of brutal truth. It's a place where we have to come to grips with the truth of who we are. 
This Advent is the time for us to enter into our spiritual desert. Now, what's John's message? Repent. That's the exact message that Jesus would proclaim as he began his ministry. Now again, go back to the original Greek translation of repent. It means metanoia. It comes from two Greek words, meta, which means change, and nous, which means mind. It means to see your life and the world not through your own perspective, with an attitude of, hey, what's in it for me? Or what do I get out of it? See, that's how the ego sees the world. Everything is related to me. Metanoia, the, one, the repent that John is talking about, it means to see the world through the eyes of God. We see everything connected to God's will. All things in this world live in accord to God's way. Later on, John will say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, yes, it is. And the repentant person, one who has embraced a metanoia, has experienced a change, not just their mind, but also their heart and their will and their intellect, is one who has converted. And see, yes, they do see the kingdom here in this world, and they act upon it. And that's exactly what the people are doing in the gospel story for today. They listen to John and they act upon it. They are baptized. On the other hand, you have the unrepentant person, one who hasn't changed, who still sees the world from their own perspective, from their own ego. Everything is about me. They won't be able to see the kingdom unfolding in this world. Worse yet, they won't be able to see Jesus for who he truly is nor will they come to believe in him. Great example of this, the Pharisees. The Pharisees refused to repent. Repeatedly, they failed to see who Jesus really is. Notice where the Pharisees are in this gospel for today. They're standing on the banks of the Jordan River. Do they enter the water? No. Do they confess and accept a baptism of repentance? Absolutely not. And yet they stand there and they criticize John. They second-guess his actions and his motivation. Consequently, how do they react to Jesus? Well, they don't recognize who he is. That's evidenced by the fact that they criticize Jesus throughout his entire ministry. They offer no repentance, no metanoia, no change of heart, no change of mind or will or intellect. Instead, they see the world through their own eyes, through their own ego, rather than through the eyes of God. Therefore, they never recognize Jesus' true identity. See, it's so important for us to listen and act upon the words of our King's messenger, John, who was sent to us so that we're prepared to receive our King. Metanoia, that is so important for us to change to see the world through the eyes of God, that everything in this world is connected to the will of God. Now, in the story it says, the people of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to John and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that extremely odd, even strange. They're leaving Jerusalem. Now, remember, Jerusalem is God's holy city. It's where the temple exists. And within the temple, 
there exists a, a room called the Holy of Holies. And the Jews believe that's where God dwelled. And yet the people are leaving that. They're leaving Jerusalem and the temple, and they're going out into the desert because of John and what he's preaching. What's the spiritual significance of this? The people are going out now to worship at a new temple. Often Jesus describes himself as a temple. Friends, it's a basic biblical truth. Whenever you hear people on the move, it's a rich symbolic significance attached to it. I'll give you some examples. The two men on the road to Emmaus, walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, immersed in self-doubt about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet Jesus appears to them. He then interprets scripture. They see him in the breaking of the bread, and in doing so, it confirms his resurrection. Look at the countless trips Jesus takes back and forth across the Sea of Galilee, going to Jewish territory, then Gentile territory. It's symbolic of Jesus, yes, he's the Savior, but not just for the Jews, but for the whole world. People are leaving Jerusalem now, and they're going out into the desert because they realize there is now a new temple based upon a new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. The old temple in Jerusalem was built by men. It was a physical structure where the Ark of the Covenant, where the Jews believe God resided. What's the new temple? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus embodies that new temple that we all now worship at. And so the people are going out to listen to John preach about this new temple and how we are to prepare ourselves to receive it and worship that new temple. Remember, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he confronts the Pharisees and he says to them, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Well, he was referring to himself. Jesus is the new temple that we all worship at. Through the new covenant that we establish with Jesus from the very beginning of our baptism. See, that's the significance of this movement of people out of Jerusalem and into the desert. We must do the same thing during the season of Advent. We must listen to the messenger, John, prepare ourselves so that we are properly disposed to receive our Savior and worship at the new temple of Jesus Christ. One last thing to think about. John, it says he's baptizing at the Jordan River. Now, there are many bodies of water that John could have picked, but he picks the Jordan River. Now, if it was me... I would have went up to the Sea of Galilee. That's exactly where Jesus' home is. And that's exactly where Jesus began to recruit the apostles. But John, instead, he baptizes at the Jordan River, approximately two hours south of where Jesus' home is in Nazareth. Now, why does he do that? And of all rivers, the Jordan. It's because the Jordan River is the river of liberation. Go back to the story of Exodus. The Israelites are wandering for 40 years in the desert. Finally, they see the promised land. But in order to get to it, they have to cross the Jordan River. And when they cross the Jordan River, they experience their liberation. All the promises of God now have come true. And so the Jordan is the river of liberation, liberating now these people that John baptizes of their sin. 
Well, we too have experienced the waters of liberation at the time of our baptism. At the time of our baptism, we were liberated from original sin. And from that moment forward, our life in Jesus began. Then we began to see the world as God sees this world. Everything connected to God. Everything aligned to God's will. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread this gospel story. Take it to prayer. This is our story as we continue to make our way through this great season of Advent. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.